0: Merchants, and she's taking care of her husband and her kids, and blah blah blah. And 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 at first glance, when you read this passage, it can seem kind of like, well, I guess uh, women should just, you know, be like only at home, only doing all of these things. And so I have a little bit of history with Proverbs thirty-one. I, I would sort of credit Proverbs, Proverbs thirty-one a little bit um, to my um, meeting my wife. Actually, um, uh, I met I met Rowena online. Um, and I won't get into all the details, but I had got onto a Christian dating site back in 2003. Uh, That's back, like, when the internet was really new, AOL Instant Messenger, and they had this... It wasn't even Christian mingle. It was, like, Christian single or something like that. I don't know. It was... (laughs) Christians are super creative. And so, like, you know, it was, like, some kind of dating site. And I got on it, actually, because... Anyway, there's a a long story. But I, I was reading through some of the... I was... I don't know how far back to go in the story, but I was kind of um, insecure about myself. And so I was checking out some of the guys' profiles on there to see how I matched up to them, right? That's what I was doing. That's the short version. And so I was looking at some of their profiles and they were like, you know, I like long walks on the beach. I like romantic, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Come on. Like, you know... That's not even like, I, that's, that's over the top. That's overkill, you know? Like, really, if every guy loved long walks on the beach, why you keep taking your girl to McDonald's for date night, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I just kinda, I was like, this is silly. These, these guys are obviously, and so I decided to create a profile, and this is kind of my personality. As you get to know me more, you know that I do this. I kind of antagonize or tease or poke fun at <laughs> things that I think are kind of silly. And so I created a profile, took a little, you know, selfie of myself. And in the bio, I just kind of did everything opposite. I was like, you know, I hate long walks on the beach... McDonald's is awesome. Uh, I'm starting to bald in the back. You can't really see it from my picture. But, you know, and, and, and I knew that it was a Christian site. So I knew, you know, I was in Bible college and I'd grown up as a Christian. So, like, if you start mentioning to Christian girls, like, for instance, First Corinthians, you know, chapter 11, like, women should be silent in the church. So I, I, I made a little reference to that. You got to have your head covered and your mouth closed kind of thing. You know, I was like, it was, it was you know, it was was, kind of on the line, but that's kind of what I like to do, just kind of like really get people's reaction, you know. And I mentioned, you know, hey, if you're not a Proverbs 31 woman, don't even bother, you know, messaging me. You know, kind of, I, like... And so, and so I was, you know, I had this little profile and I started getting all these emails from these girls like, oh, you look really interesting, you know? And I'm like, what? You're supposed to be outraged. What are you talking about? You know? And, uh, and so anyway, one of those girls was Rose's friend, Emma, and Emma sent me a message and I replied. I wasn't looking for a relationship at all. I was just like, I was just there to sort of poke fun at Anyway, and so, you know, she replied, and then and then Emma told Ro, hey, there's this guy on here. I think you really like him, and so she created a profile just to talk to me, uh, and so then we got AOL Instant Messenger, or Yahoo, I think it was, and then we, we, we talked for like three years online before we actually met, but anyway, the, that, that whole story, but but, but I was like, well, what, what's the deal with like, does she like the Proverbs 31 thing and first Corinthians and, you know, I mean, what is going on? And so I, so I went and looked at my own profile and that's when I recognized that they had, they had, um, like the moderators had, had edited. (laughs) Apparently they found it offensive and, uh, they had edited, you know, all of my stuff just said, I'll add to this later. And I was like, uh, okay, so that's the kind of country we live in, right? So much for free speech, I guess. It's just, but anyway. So I, I sort of credit Proverbs thirty one a little bit to to us meeting, and um, and First Corinthians also will always be my favorite scripture, but um, but at the same time, I think really it's a misuse. I think I think that whole idea of like this is like you know like like, like guys can be slobs but ladies have to be this you know what i'm saying like i I think i think it's really a misuse i do believe that proverbs 31 is a picture of a godly woman but you have to understand the context you have to understand that number one this was written um to a man this was not written to a woman This this passage of scripture was written to, said, my son, this is the kind of woman you want. It was not written to a woman like, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. It was not instructions for a woman. This was written to a man about how wonderful it is to live with wisdom. And I believe that this is actually a picture of wisdom. And I do believe it applies in some way to, to women and to men. Uh, the actions of the husband are also in the text. Uh, and I, you know, but, but you really do have to understand the context. And I think it better actually applies to lady wisdom and what it's like to live in wisdom's house. When you read Proverbs 31 verse 10, right on through the end of the chapter, you see what it's like. To live in wisdom, in wisdom's house. This is what wisdom's house looks like. This is how wisdom acts. When you marry wisdom, when you move in with wisdom, when, when you choose to join yourself with the wisdom of God, this is what life starts to look like. So I wanna spend the next few minutes just talking about that. I don't know how far I'm gonna get, but if we start at verse 10 and just move along, it says, who can find a virtuous woman for her worth is far above rubies. Same exact same phrase used of wisdom in chapter three verse 11 gives us the first um, inclination of what it is to live with wisdom. First of all, the heart of her husband will safely, that's key, will safely trust in her. The heart of her husband will safely trust in her. This is what it is to live in the house of wisdom. You will have a safe place for your heart to rest or to sit or to lean on. And we need that, I think. I think nowadays there's a shortage of safe places for hearts. (laughs) There's, 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 there's a lot of people who are looking to get something from you. But in this idea of the heart resting, uh, I, I use this Wednesday night, first Wednesday worship. And it is basically to sit. It is to, it is to take the weight off of your own legs and really just sit almost in a couch. (laughs) Uh, That your heart would sit almost in the couch Um, of God, that you would just lean back and and you would be able to rest. You'd be able to rest your heart. Now, what is your heart? Your heart is your inside. Your heart is, uh, first of all, your mind. Your mind can find a place to rest. We have a lot of anxiety in our country because people's minds have no place to rest their mind is always worrying it's always running it's always jumping from from one to-do list to another to-do list to i wonder what those people think of me and on oh, and, and this and that and the other and there, there's so many things to to distract your mind and to keep your mind running so that your mind never safely rests anywhere and this is what wisdom is offering. Wisdom is offering a safe place for your mind to rest. In fact, I think we have a scripture, Isaiah 26 verse 3, says, says that you, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. If you want to have peace in your life, if you want to, if you want to move in with wisdom, this is, this is part of the offer of wisdom, that I'm going to give you a safe place to rest your mind. Minds, and this is true regardless of what you're facing. This is true regardless of what comes into your life, and this is honestly, like, 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 uh, you know, when whenever Roe and I are counseling people, this is where we're going. We're, we are, we are, we are taking their mind from what they are so distracted by, and we're lifting it to where Jesus is in that situation. Because, because if you can put your mind on Jesus, if you can, because you, you always go in the direction of your mind. You always go in the direction of your focus. What you're focused on, that's a, that's a direction that you're moving. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to distract you and put your mind on a hundred million other things that are not Jesus. And it steals your peace and it steals your joy and it steals your courage. And you react out of fear and you react to circumstances. You don't, you're not intentional about life anymore. You're just trying to avoid pain. And so your mind has no place to rest. But wisdom is offering you right today, right now, a place for your mind to anchor, to rest, to hold steady. And that's not to say that you are unaware of everything else. It doesn't mean you block everything else out and you're just like, well, I'm just thinking about Jesus. No, 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 no. This is is just where your mind rests. So see, your mind can go to work for the day, (laughs) right? But when it comes home, what do you do? You sit on the couch, unless of course you have kids, but anyway, if you have kids, you put your kids to bed and then you sit on the couch and you rest. So your mind can, can deal with issues. Your mind can, can, can solve problems. God created your mind to, to be at work and to be productive. But at the end of the day, where does your mind rest? If it doesn't have anywhere to rest, you'll have no peace. And you can't live in wisdom's house when you're, you're constantly running around, not allowing your mind to sit anywhere. Not allowing your mind to sit, to just rest, to just relax, to take the weight off of your own self and transfer that weight on to wisdom. The heart, the mind of her husband husband safely rests in her. His mind naturally sort of sort of throughout the day just kind of takes a breather when thinking about her. And while that's true about a great marriage, it's also true about wisdom. That when you're living in the house of wisdom, that when you're living in the house of God, that you come into a place where, where you're, yeah, sure, you're thinking about other stuff throughout the day, but your mind always kind of comes back to sit down with God. What is God doing in this situation? What is God doing in this election? What is God doing in our country? What is God doing in my, my family? God's not absent. I'm not in charge of having to think up the plan, game plan and figure everything out. I can keep my mind on Jesus. I can keep my mind resting on him. Uh, and, and, and it also deals with your desires. Your heart is your mind, but it's also your will. It's also your desires. So that your desires are focused and resting on Jesus. And then it also deals with your emotions. Your heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And and this is one of the greatest peace stealers or or joy stealers that we could ever have is this this restless emotion. And it's good to have emotion. It's good to have emotion. Sometimes you can pretend like, well, I just just don't feel anything. Well, that's dumb. Don't do that. Um, It's good to have emotion. It's good to, like, you know, like you're driving down the, the highway of life. It's good to have some emotion in the car with you, right? It's good to have a little joy, a little happiness. It's good to have sorrow, Right? Sorrow is not bad. There are some things that are truly sad, truly sorrowful. You ought to cry every now and then. If you don't cry, you need to see a therapist. Okay? You need some help because, because it's, that's not normal. Like, like emotion is normal. You ought to have some emotion. They ought to be in the car, maybe even the passenger seat. But just don't let it in the driver's seat. <laughs> don't let emotion in the driver's seat of your life. Let emotion rest. In Jesus, Let it hang out there. Let joy be there. Let sorrow. Take sorrow to him. T- even take feelings of regret. But don't let those emotions get in the driver's seat of your life and start dictating where you go and what you do. Because if you let feelings of regret drive, then of course he's going to be looking in the rear of your mirror the whole time. <laughs> and that's not safe. Uh, if you let fear drive, you know, she's always going to be trying to avoid whatever she thinks is going to end in, 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 in danger. And this is, this is one of the great tactics of the enemy, that the enemy will bring fear into your mind and into your life by, by posing questions about where, where you are not even there yet. So fear will come in and say, well, what if this happens, you know? And, and, and so you kind of go down that road. Well, gee, well, if that happens, then that would happen, and then that would happen, and then that would happen. And fear will take you like way down this road rabbit trail, it'll, it'll drive you right down an alley. <laughs> and you're like, the GPS didn't even say to go here, but we're just, we're just cruising down this scary alley. All right, now we're gonna go right off this bridge, you know? I mean, like at some point, you can't let fear take you where your heavenly father is not leading you. This is why fear is so powerful, because fear will say, well, what if that happens? And then what if that happens? And then could you handle that? The answer is no, I, 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 I couldn't handle that. And so you become even more fearful. And fear has power over you in hypothetical situations. But scripture says that, 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 his, that God's grace is going to be sufficient for you. That God's not going to lead you someplace where he's not going to give you grace. And what fear does is fear takes you down a hypothetical road where God is not giving you grace. And it says, do you have grace for that? And the answer is, no, I don't have grace for that because I'm not there. Does that make sense? Because God never asked me to go there. Now God may ask me to go there, but I believe that wherever God asked me to go, he's gonna give me the grace to go. And until he asks me, I'm not gonna wonder if I'm ever gonna go there because it really doesn't matter because when he asks me, if he asks me, then he's gonna give me the grace and the power to go there. But, but, but if you drive around with fear, you explore the whole city and you never even get where God wants you to go because you're only focused on the hypothetical situations of what if we go there and boy, what could, you know, could we handle that? Do we, no, no, you couldn't handle that. No, obviously you're going to be fearful about where your shepherd has not led you. So just stick with your shepherd when, you're, when, you're, when your emotions rest in wisdom. You're not fearful about what could happen because you know that you are with your shepherd and you know that you are in a safe place. You're resting in a safe place and that wherever God would lead you, then, then he's going to give you the grace to go there. Uh, there's a story about, I, I told somebody a couple weeks ago, a story about a, a martyr um, hundreds of years ago, um, back when they were burning folks at the stake. Um, which means like they tie you up to a a post and like they pour tar over you and they put a bunch of hay down at your feet and then they light it and you burn to death. Um, Not a good way to go. Um, And there were people who were being burned to death because they believed in Jesus, because they proclaimed the name of Jesus. And so there's one martyr who is getting ready to be burned at the stake. And I don't know about you, but I'm personally not ready right now to be burned at the stake. Um, and he's getting ready to be burned at the stake and he's talking to some of his friends, fellow Christians, and he, and he tells them, I believe God's going to give me the grace to go through this, even though I don't want to go through it, but I believe he's going to give me the grace to go through it. And he said, this will be a sign to you. Um, when I am burning, I will raise my hand if like, like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll raise one hand if God is helping me go through it. Like either he takes the pain away or something. Somehow, if there's grace, if there's help, I'll, I'll raise my hand as a sign to you. And so everybody's watching. Everybody's watching him being burned at the stake. And, and they, they tie him up and they, and they light the flames. And he's burning, and he's screaming. And, 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 and the flames are coming up over his feet and over his chest. And then it's totally consuming him. And he never raises his hand. And the people just think, oh man, you know. That's fear, right? Yeah, see, if I was there, it would just be this most gruesome experience. I couldn't handle it. And then, like, when everyone thought he was already dead and his I mean his his arms were charred and everything, he raised both hands. Because the ropes had been burned enough for him to raise both hands. Because wherever you are, whatever God asks you to do, he's going to give you the grace to do it. He just will. He's faithful like that. <laughs> He's a safe place like that. You don't, have to, you don't have to answer fear. You don't even have to say, well, I think, no, forget it. I, I'm not even putting my, my mind there because God has not put my feet there. And so I'm not going to deal with that. I'm resting. I'm resting. My, my, the husband rests in wisdom. Uh, next, it says that she uh, will do him uh, good. She does him good and not evil. All the days of her life. You know, you know, God is seeking your good. God is doing good for you behind the scenes. And I, I really like this verse. It says, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hand. She seeks wool and flax. Now this, this doesn't seem readily apparent until you get down a little bit further in the passage. You see that she's working with a spindle, which means she's sewing clothes. So wool course from sheep and flax is uh is 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 something that they used to grow um back in those days and they would they would they would take wool which is soft and uh uh you know cushiony kind of like cotton and then they would take flax which is more fine uh and 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 a little bit more brittle and they would they would weave these 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 substances together to create clothes so basically she's talking about uh like like this is h&m here this is the old school ancient H and M, Forever Twenty One, kind of kind of situation. She's talking about making clothes, but I think what's so interesting, and I I think what really encourages me, is that is that when wisdom goes to get clothes for her family, because that's what she's doing, she's getting you know t-shirts and jeans for her family. When she's when she's going shopping for clothes for her family, look what she's seeking. She is seeking wool. And flax. She's, she's she's not even she's not even going to, you know, H and M and looking on the rack for something that would fit. Instead she's looking for the pieces of what it is that she's eventually going to make. And I think this is the way that wisdom works. When you live with wisdom, when you live in wisdom's house, this is the way that wisdom um, puts together our clothes, so to speak. This is the way that wisdom provides for us and, and dresses us and clothes us. She doesn't look for the end product. Instead, she looks for the raw materials that she can weave together um, to create what it is that, that we need. Wisdom always looks for the raw Materials. She digs around for wool and for flax. And I'm so grateful that God, when, whenever God is looking um, to fulfill his promises in our lives, he's not always looking for the end product. He's not always, lo- he doesn't just, like, like for instance, like when God was looking for a, for, for a preacher in Port Huron, Michigan, in, 19, uh, in, 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 in 1904, Welsh Revival, uh, when God was looking for a preacher in Michigan in uh, 1994, October 2nd, 1994, I was 14 years old. And we were at a church that met in a YMCA in Port Huron, Michigan, on the second level. Uh, the room, little thing, seated like 30 people, and there was like 20 of us there. There was there was a, 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 like an altar that they had made with like plywood and spray painted it white. And uh, uh, and and God was moving on my heart. I, I'd been saved when I was six years old, but God was moving on my heart for something deeper, for something greater, to totally give myself away to Him and make Him completely the Lord of my life, and just uh, let let Him make. all all of my decisions and, and fully surrender, right? The old, old timers would call it sanctification. And, and so on October 2nd, 1994, 14 year old Harry goes down to the front and I'm just weeping and I'm giving everything I have to God. And I come back and it's just, it's an amazing experience. I come back, I sit in my seat. I remember the pastor's wife was playing on the piano, doing some kind of hymn or some song or something. And people were singing. I don't remember what they're singing, but I remember as I'm sitting there, God speaks to me and says, Harry, would you preach for me? Like, like, like for the rest of your life. Like, would you spend your life preaching for me? Now, now you see me today and you think, well, yeah, of course, you know, he's, he's got a big mouth, and he likes to talk a lot, and so obviously, he's kind of like a good candidate for this job, but when I was like 14, and really, I mean, for most of my life, I have hated the idea of of even talking to strangers, because I don't know what to say, and I always wondered how preachers could stand up and ramble on for uh, 45 minutes, you know, and and, and, and it's like, how do you even find words to say, like, what are you even talking about, and the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to preach for God, and yet, God comes, along and says says Harry will you preach for me and so I'm really glad that when God looks for preachers in port here in Michigan he doesn't google preachers in port here in Michigan because he wouldn't have found me I wouldn't even have been on the second page third page I mean you go 100 pages down I'm, I'm not even showing up my name's not even on the list God doesn't look for the finished product when he makes a promise in your life or when he calls you to something He doesn't come down and say, okay, so I know you're this, and so that's exactly what I'm looking for. No, he looks for the materials. He looks for a surrendered life. He looks for a, a yielded life. He waited for me to totally give myself to him before he asked me to preach for him because he knew I wouldn't do it any other way. And so I just now give my entire life to him. He's like, all right, cool. Now you're going to preach. <laughs> take that. And, and you know, and I don't I don't have what it takes to preach. I, I don't have any charisma. I'm not funny. I don't have any jokes. I, don't, I hate standing in front of people and talking. And I wave my hands way, 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 way too much. It's like Italian or something. And it's like, you know, I don't even like do that. and and God comes down and says no 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 you are not what I'm calling you to be you, you like like you just have the raw materials of what I need cuz if someone's going to talk about the gospel i want them to live the gospel first i want them to be submitted to the gospel so you have you have what it takes you're, you're, you're you don't have no idea how to speak in front of people you're not funny super boring everybody falls asleep but it's all good because I, I, don't, I don't shop for the finished product. I shop for the material that's needed in order to weave together a finished product so that all things can truly work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He's not just looking for you at your peak. He's looking for your pieces. He's looking for the connective tissue of the calling that he's put in your life. And wisdom takes, takes a little bit of softness and a little bit of roughness, a little bit of wool and a little bit of flax and finds a way to weave it together. And if you're not careful, like if you're not wisdom's house, then you just have this, this, this idea of like, well, it is what it is, which I sort of agree with that statement. It's good to be honest about what it is. And I think it is what it is, this is the most honest statement you can make. Because <laughs> clearly, if it is, then that's exactly what it is. So I'm all about honesty. I'm all about saying, hey, it is what it is. Yes, 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 it is what it is, but it's not what it's going to be. Like it is what it is, but it's not like, like wool and flax. Yeah, they're, they're great but that's not what it's going to be. Wisdom takes wool and takes flax, and she doesn't just say, well, I guess it is what it is. Here, son, put some wool on your head, and uh, let's get some flax, you know, around the important parts, and all right, I guess we'll just go. You know, it's it's not, it is what it is. It, It is what it is, but in the hands of wisdom. It says she's willing to work with her hands. I'm so glad I got a God who's willing to get his hands dirty, and dig around in the mud, and form a man, and spend the time to build me, and create me from what I was to what I am and really even to where I'm going because I'm not done yet I'm not there yet so it is what it is but it's not what it's going to be because it's not all there is (laughs) the, the wool and the flax are good but when they come into the hands of wisdom they become something more they become the raw materials of clothing and people look and say, how did you get that out of that? Well, wisdom did that. That's what wisdom does. It takes time. She, she has to weave it together. There's, there's a whole story about a spindle. We'll get to that next week. But she's working and, and, and she's tirelessly putting together the pieces of your life. She's not looking for a full life. She's not looking for a complete, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, talent. She's not, she's, not, she's not looking for the image that you have in your head. She's looking for the pieces that you have in your hand. And she takes those pieces. She, she's looking for pieces. She grabs those pieces and she weaves them together to create something much greater. And this is what wisdom does. She takes the wool and the flax and the pieces and she puts them together. And she's not afraid to work, work with her hands. And then it says here, I, I just want to finish up with this little analogy. It says that she is like, and this is the, the only time I think that there's really an analogy given about wisdom here in Proverbs chapter 31. She is like... The merchant ships. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She's like the merchant ships. What's interesting is um, this is written by a man named Solomon. This is written uh, around 900 and something BC, during, uh, supposedly during Solomon's reign. And Solomon, Solomon is the king of, of Israel that, that really expanded Israel. Up until the time of Solomon, uh, Israel was this initially just, just sort of a tribe, a nomadic tribe, and then they uh, became a, uh, a, a monarchy and they had developed a system of, of rule and of law. Uh, and of course, they, they always had the temple ever since the time in the wilderness, uh, the, or the, the, the tabernacle, which then uh, they, they had a form of worship. But they never had any um, merchant ships. So it's interesting to me that, that Solomon would mention that, that, that wisdom is like a merchant ship when, when, when the people of Israel, as far as I knew, had, didn't, didn't even have merchant ships. Actually, the Phoenicians were the major merchant ships of the day. And they had got a head start and had made a whole lot of deals with Egypt and, and, and all of the major players in the ancient world. But Solomon, when he received wisdom... The wisdom of God. The Bible um, chronicles all of his exploits. A lot of the things that he did. And one of the things he did is he initiated merchant ships. <laughs> he, he, he created merchant ships and he made deals with the Phoenicians. And he made deals with the Egyptians. And, and it was the merchant ships really which are credited for much of Solomon's wealth. And merchant ships are, are important because... Basically, when you have a merchant ship, it's it's, it's a whole bunch of of buyers and sellers from your country. They go out from your country, and they would be gone for three years. It says uh, in scripture, they'd be gone for three years, and then every three years, they'd come back with stuff that they had brought from other countries. And so the reason why merchant ships are so important is because sometimes you need more than what you have. You know what I mean? Sometimes as a country even, Israel needed more than what she had. She had a lot of one thing and not very much of another. And so a merchant ship would take what you have and trade it in for what you don't have. And so you become more wealthy. And during this time, Israel grew in wealth uh, at, at, at the peak, really. Uh, it's the only time in, 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 in all of biblical history and even modern history when Israel was a major, major player uh, economically. And, uh, uh, and, and they, they just grew in so much wealth because of their ability to go out and get what they needed and trade what they had to get what they needed. And this is where Solomon says, when I think about either this, this, this wife of noble character or when I think about wisdom, I think about the fact that she, she goes out and she gets what we need and she brings it back. She brings a deposit back into my life. She goes out and she trades what we have and she gets what we need. And this is where I think this is just a beautiful picture of Jesus because this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus left his throne of heaven he left the glory of of all of that and he came to earth far away from heaven far away from his throne because his father had a son but he didn't have a family and so his father gave his son almost a trade if you will from a merchant ship in order to gain a family he, he sowed his son. He gave his son uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son in order that whoever might believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. In other words, they would become a part of the family of God. And so and so Jesus Christ is like that merchant ship. He, he left heaven and his father wanted a family and, and Jesus comes to earth and, and, and God releases his son, as you will, and he comes to earth and Jesus gathers sons and daughters of the living God, and he gathers a brand new family, and that's why in, in John, he's, he says to his father, he says, all that, all that you have sent me, I haven't lost any one of them except that Judas character, because, you know, we all know how he is, and uh, you know what I mean, and because he said, because I, I, I wasn't just sent here to live and to die and to have this good example, I was sent here to collect what heaven does not have, <laughs> I was sent to collect. I was sent to make heaven rich. I was sent to populate heaven. I was sent to steal from hell, to rob from hell. I was sent to populate heaven. And so I've gathered these ones and then I've told these ones to go tell a whole bunch of other ones and then they're going to tell a bunch of other ones and then the Holy Spirit is going to come down, 120 of them are going to be in a room and the Holy Spirit's going to come down and empower them to, to win 3,000 in one single day and then a church is going to be born and that's going to go from one continent to another continent and it's going to be unstoppable because heaven is still seeking more people, it's still wanting to be populated. God, the heart of God is still for people the heart of God that would, that would give up his son in order to get a family is still seeking to build that family. Which is why in chapter nine of Proverbs, uh, when, 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 when wisdom builds her house and she gets everything ready, it says that she sends out servants. She sends out her maidens or her servants to go invite people to come. And I believe that's what God's doing right now. I am a maid. <laughs> <laughs> of wisdom if you will or a servant and I've been sent just with an, an open invitation you say well well you know I, I don't I don't I, I, I don't really belong in heaven I don't really no 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 heaven's missing you God sent his son because he didn't he didn't have you he created you, he deserved you, you belonged to him, but then you fell away from him, and you rejected him, but his son came in order to bridge that gap and to cross over a whole lot more than just the just the red sea right on on some boat, he crossed a much bigger span, I mean he went from God to man that that gap is way bigger than any kind of pond that you can swim across. He crossed a much bigger span in order to bring you back to heaven this is Salvation, that Jesus Christ is like a merchant ship and that he has come in order to give what heaven has in order to gain what heaven does not have. And I'm just one of those servants that says, hey, um, you're invited, <laughs> you're invited. The king of heaven wants you in his house. The king of, of glory wants you to be a part of his family. And you weren't, you weren't, you weren't born a part of his family but you can die a part of his family. (laughs) There can be a transition that can happen somewhere along the timeline of your life that you become a citizen of another kingdom. If you jump on, jump on board, jump on the ship. Well, could we close our eyes for just a moment? I, I wanna offer salvation to everybody here. And this is something that is open and free regardless of who you are, what you've done. I wanna offer you just... To put your faith in Jesus, to believe in the gospel message that he came and that he died for your sins and that he rose again on the third day. The ships came back every three years. I think that's interesting. He rose again on the third day in order, in order to forgive us of our sins, but also in order to make us brand new creatures, citizens of heaven. And so all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus... And put your let, allow your mind to rest on him allow your desires to rest on him allow your emotions to rest on him to choose to turn away from every other uh, uh, poss- possibility of salvation to choose away from trying to save yourself and put your faith in Jesus Christ and if you'd like to do that today would you just raise your hand with me and let me know that you're making that decision that's awesome that's awesome yeah <laughs> come on come on Come on, why don't, you just, why don't you just pray with me? You can pray whatever you like, but if I were you, I would say this I would say, Dear God, I need you. I give myself to you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me and for raising again to life. And I choose to believe that you have forgiven me of all of my sin and that you have prepared a way for me to go with you to heaven. So I'm coming on board with you today stepping off, uh, come on, I, I, just go ahead, step off the shores of your own self-reliance. Why don't you step, I, I see somebody right on the edge, just like, man, I don't know if I should get on the boat, or if I should got one foot in, and one foot. man, I don't know, like everything, boy, oh, I got a family, I got a house here, I got stuff here, no, 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 nothing you're leaving behind is going to be able to compare with where you're going, what your father has prepared for you. If you could see it, I mean, I, I, I know I'm just, I'm just a messenger, but if you could be where I've been, if you could feel what I've felt, if you could know what I know, if you could be in the presence that I've been in since I was 14 years old, I would swear to you, you would walk away from what you're holding on to right now. It's incomparable it's greater than rubies who can compare with this house living with this this wisdom living with this god he never changes he never walks away there's no shadow or shifting or up and down there's no left and right you deal with life yes there's struggles but but you are you are you are in a safe place where your mind can just rest stress comes in and sorrow comes in and weakness comes in and you're not always perfect and you don't always uh, hit a perfect 10 and you don't always do exactly what you're going for. But, but the bottom line is at the end of the day, I have a couch that I just rest in the faithfulness of God, that my, 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 my wisdom, my, the bride of my life, not just my physical bride, but my spiritual, the, the, my, my spiritual companion is with me and I live in her house and she talks to me and she comforts me. Man, even just, even just, even just a few weeks ago, it was like a Saturday night, and I had to, you know, I had to preach on Sunday morning. And for some reason, uh, oh, I had done my grandma's funeral, and just been a long week, a hard week emotionally uh, and physically. I didn't hardly get much sleep, and I was up like in my office at ten o'clock at night. And I was like, God, you know, I sort of, I sort of have a sermon. You know, I kind of have some thoughts. I'll just, I'll just get up there and ramble for a few minutes. It'll be fine, I'm so tired. I don't wanna study your word. I don't, I don't wanna go through the work. And I'm laying there on the couch in my office. I have a couch, which is great. Um, I call it the word. So I was in the word and, uh, um, and God just spoke to me and said, Harry, what if I told you that somebody was coming to church tomorrow for the last time? This was the last chance they were giving God. And I have a word for them, but if you don't seek me for that word, they're never going to get it. They're going to hear you rambling about some scripture. (laughs) So wisdom kind of snapped me awake and said, get up fool, get studying. (laughs) I don't know who's here for the last time. I saw you. You know, I saw people grab envelopes to check that you're here for the first time. Nobody ever says I'm here for the last time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's here on this earth for the last time this week, and who's gonna who's gonna depart from this earth. We don't even know. We don't. We don't. We don't know. But man, if we just step off of the little property that you're on and get on the boat, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Mm. spend some time worshiping but whenever we have our own building we can do that we do have to be out so i want to bring this to a close but i am going to open up for prayer afterward we're going to close out service and then if god's speaking to you um just come on down to the front and somebody will be here to pray with you take hands with you and we got another hour to pray with you